What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, it's a murder Italiano style. Uh, (laughs) We're talking about uh, Italian slasher films, and we've picked two uh, lesser known. Yeah, we'll say lesser known. At least Uh, one of them. Yeah, and this one was a first time watch for me, so I'm going to say it's lesser known. We are talking about A Blade in the Dark from Lamberto Bava, and I think found out out about this one when I was writing an article on the website about underrated 80s slashers. Mm -hmm. And this one kept coming up as a recommendation. And I was like, I want to fucking check this out. And so we worked it into the podcast. And I'm glad we did. I think the really cool thing about this, something you told me, is that it was never intended to be a feature film. It was shot to be a four-part TV event. Uh, like uh, like a fucking Stephen King miniseries here in North America. This was supposed to be a four-part miniseries, and each episode would end with a murder. So it's a mystery, it's a slasher-style giallo horror film for Italian television that was just thrown out the fucking window by the censor board. Yeah, they were like, this is too much. This and is a so Baba was like, well, fuck you guys. I'm making a movie out of this. Watching the movie, I was like, oh, this th- th- there's surely the mystery here would have been hidden a little better with four episodes of B-plot and C-plot. I found out that I think every episode was going to be about a half hour long. So I, oh. I think it was basically just they shot a movie oh. intending to chop it up into four bits. <laughs> well, I think if you add, say, there's a week in between you seeing one murder to the next, if the whole product is spaced out, because mm, maybe. The, the like it's not like people could watch it in on demand if it was playing on tv like they would have to oh, yeah. it, they'd have to event television watch it so uh-huh. you'd you'd watch one half hour chunk somebody would die and you'd be like oh, i wonder who did it and then again and then again and so it would have been a month of trying to deduce the murderer i think the fact that one we're a little bit savvier as horror audiences we have a lot of stories that are structured this way that's uh, true so i i don't i don't know do you think it would have been surprising back in 1980 no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Baba. We really like demons, though. Anyway, Kim, what's three good things? Let's start off with three good things about A Blade in the Dark. Yeah, I think one of the funnest things about this and what I love about horror is when it does a little something a little bit meta, and this has got a film within a film, and... It's wonderful how it lends to the main theme. Our main character is a composer, and so he almost, I mean, he does kind of compose some of the score that's used in the actual, you know, the the film. Not the film within a film film, the film. 
And the film within a film film. <laughs> okay, I hope I hope number two isn't punching down, but the movie tries very hard constantly to make a teeny little exacto blade very scary. Hey, I really like those POV exacto blade shots. They are really great. <laughs> Just like ching 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 ching. It's like opening up a knife. It's fun. It looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's maybe a, it's a silly w- murder weapon. I mean, the but. killer does ditch it after, I think, the first murder. So, I mean, they do use it threateningly in the distance a few times. Like, oh, I'm going to get you, Bruno, if you don't close that window. Yeah, POV shots from the handle <laughs> of the X-Acto blade. Yeah, the, the X-Acto blade is the murderer in this movie. Yeah. What's number three? Number three. And, and this one, you know, I'm, I'm putting it all right at the top. It's got a really dope cold open. And number three, I'm going to say it has a really dope cold open. Oh, yeah. Which I don't want to spoil here if you use the three good things as a recommendation as to whether you should watch the movie or not, because that's all you get. And if you want to hear about that cold open, you're going to have to listen after the trailer. Composing music for movies. Interesting. Uh, What are you working on now? Blade in the Dark, originally titled in Italy, The House with the Dark Staircase, uh, is currently sitting at, Kim almost spit out a glass of water when I said that title. I was trying to be real quiet off the microphone. <laughs> it's currently sitting at a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb, an audience rating of 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Truly, though. Just to come back to what you were saying a second ago. Cold open? Fucking dope. Cold open's great. So it's, good. It starts It starts good, gets silly, 
ends awesome. Just like, oh wow, that was that was a great piece of writing. Like we got three kids going into a mysterious house, uh, and they. I thought it was a mausoleum. They a fucking spooky place. They come across a staircase leading into a basement, and two of the kids immediately start taunting their friend to go down into the basement. They toss a tennis ball down. They're basically just like, go fetch, you scaredy cat. And they they start teasing him by saying, like, you're a female. You're a female. I mean, kids are fucking mean. So Kids kids are mean. It wasn't a surprise. <laughs> no, it's just a silly taunt. Part of it, I think, is just, you know, that uh, you're trying to match the syllables when it comes to dubbing. Um, but anyway, like they, they, they taunt him until he goes down and shit gets real quiet. She gets real weird. They should hear their friend. They don't hear anything. And they hear a blood curling scream before the tennis ball is thrown back at them. And when it hits the fucking wall, it's just drenched in blood. Yeah, honestly, I was not expecting them to go so hard so fast. I was anticipating, you know, a rat to skitter by. Something. And then we cut away, and you're like, oh, fuck, what happened down in the basement? But that kid got fucking murdered. <laughs> and then we hard cut to the title, which, you know, <laughs> splashes across the whole screen, something else I really, really, really love. Then we learn that that is the intro scene to the film within a film. You're, you're missing the, this is my favorite part about this. This is how you clearly know that it was chopped together from a completely different project, like Mulholland Drive style, where like, oh, this was supposed to be for TV, but like, fuck it, it's a movie now. The Like, we hard cut two credits, and then the credits hard cut to another scene. Like, it's a, there's a whole musical number, and it's just like, ah, fuck it, that's done. Uh, here we are in the rest of the movie, and we're in an editing bay where the, where the composer is watching that scene from another movie that he's going to be working on the old the opening of the movie is the most one of the most meta parts of the movie it's a great little it's a great little rug pull yeah and then a la le changeling we are following the composer as he rents you know this giant isolated spooky house with a really dope pool and he's composing the score for this movie but we know like we learn he's not really big into horror and this is kind of scary for him and it's new but the director sandra is like no you are the only choice for this. You're doing the score. Has to be you. This is which would make you think he was the murderer, right? This, this, <laughs> Made this, me think he was the murderer. The house that he's staying in is the inspiration for the movie. Is it correct? Like I swear, Sandra, the director, was talking about that about how this house was part of the inspiration. Because that would explain a lot to me. Yeah, I had a lot Agreed. of questions at the end of this, and it's it's also that he's he's staying there because I think she wants him to stay there because to get the inspiration, to get the mood, like the music has to match the emotion of this, and so like I we need you to stay in the house that this inspired the story that you are writing the music for. Like that's the whole thing. It's like she wants him to absorb the mood of the atmosphere and put that into his little synthy music. Is it synthy? I'm pretty sure it's piano. It's it's piano. It's been digitized. It's like he's sitting at like a baby grand piano, and it's like beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop. So it's not it's not the sounds that are coming out of that piano. News to me. <laughs> Crucially, though, the first person he meets is the owner of the house named Tony, who's very, very intrigued by the music. That yeah, he's, he's like, yo, this. send me that music, man. Yeah, when do you do this? Can I come by? Can I watch? No. Can you record a cassette for me? Like, very demanding, this and, guy. You know, we're really painting it like he really, really, really cared. It was probably like this 
polite, you know, like, we should have a a beneficial relationship because I'm technically your landlord right now, but bye, I'm off to Croatia or whatever. <laughs> Kuwait, I think, yeah. Yeah, well, like he's but like... They, he calls him on the phone later. He's like, hey, did you get time to record that cassette? Like, he's re- he really wants to hear this music this guy's making. Oh, yeah, and he also shows up because, like, the water filter's broke and he's like, I'll get that fixed. But there's a groundskeeper who ends up doing all the work. <laughs> don't you love a don't you love a shady, mysterious groundskeeper? Like, I do love a groundskeeper. Key in a lot of Italian horror movies, <laughs> whether they're shot shot and set in America or not. There's a groundskeeper who's watching. He sees everything, and maybe he's the guy killing all these girls. Who knows? He is a crazy, weird groundskeeper. Yeah, maybe it's just because we watched it recently, but Mausoleum kept coming to my mind because that has a creepy groundskeeper. Night of, night of the night Evelyn came out of the grave as well. Creepy groundskeeper. Although he's not necessarily creepy. He's just, you know, blackmails and watches the foxes. Yeah, no, he's not creepy. He just spies on everybody, watches people get murdered, says nothing about it. Oh, true. It. You're right. That is weird. <laughs> he's got dirt on his face. Oh, He is really dirty all you, the time. You can't trust him. They wear overalls. They got naked ladies pinned up on their bedroom walls. Like They think that's a staple in the creepy Standard. groundskeeper. <laughs> even, even groundskeeper Willie and the Simpsons had a calendar the kids shouldn't see. <laughs> he doesn't really play much of a role in this movie. Though. No, he doesn't. And frankly, they, they they rarely play much of a role in all the movies. Does that he even in. get murdered in this movie? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he, he does. Gets he does. He gets murdered in a in a sequence that I I knew what was going to happen, and it still made me jump. This guy is trying to install, a, or, or he's trying to replace a water filter, a giant water filter. He's trying to disconnect the old one, and what nothing's draining out of the old one. Like, oh, what's going on? I better get under there and see what's happening. I take the cover off. I'm looking up, and then blam! A hand falls out, and I fucking knew it. I, the whole time, like, oh, there's gonna be dead bodies in here. Oh, he's gonna find something—a hand, a foot, anything's gonna—an eyeball. It's an Italian horror movie. Who knows? And still, when it happened, I jumped like a baby. <laughs> like, I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and even if you're not savvy to the fact that the water filter is human size. <laughs> the whole movie, they're remarking how stinky the pool is. They're like, yeah. man, that pool smells like something dead, isn't it? This pool smells like multiple dead women. <laughs> and this new pool filter we're going to put in? Good news. Could fit multiple dead women. It's great, right? Like the way that like people show off a trunk. Like, oh, yeah, that's a big trunk. Actually, sp- still speaking of the groundskeeper, one of my favorite red herrings of the whole movie is how often the lead character helps the groundskeeper carry heavy objects that could hold a body in them. Oh, you think that's what it is? Like, Because he carries that a was... really heavy garbage bag that he's, the guy's oh, like, oh, that. this is just papers. And you're like, that's really... Really full though. <laughs> yeah. Well, he every single time it's be he's carrying that giant garbage bag up a staircase where we very recently saw a dead body being dragged up in the most upsetting dead body drag. It I've ever really seen upset my whole me. <laughs> very- it was great. It was the actress did an amazing job, but they pulled like it was not a body double. It was not something that they very built. clearly a real person. It was not a prosthetic. It was a woman being dragged up the stairs and and. The director very, very clearly wanted a really cruel and cold thunk at every step, and it it was visceral. I did not like how it looked. It I, was just, it was too real. I hope 
that somebody had put some sort of padding on the back of her head. Cause she... We had to talk. We had to talk it out. We were like, <laughs> no, surely her arms are covering some kind of We're foam. just, yeah, they, they hired a girl with really thick, curly hair so they could ball up a t-shirt or something behind the back of her head because her head really connects. Maybe this is just a testament to the overdubbing of Italian movies. Like, without the sound design, we never, we, like, that's really what sells the, the thunk of a skull on the back of a staircase. I mean, fully award. If it, if it's down to the Foley, Foley Award. Did not appreciate it. No, it upset me. <laughs> yeah. Every single one of these girls, the early girls in the movie, they get murdered. The two that we find in that pool filter at the end, actually. Uh, they get killed via X-Acto Blade, as mentioned in one of the three good things. No, the second girl is killed by a kitchen butcher knife. You're very right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's okay. Well, there's, there's she finds the exacto blade in the pool, and <laughs> she's like, is. "This is a really important exacto blade. I'm gonna look <laughs> at it a lot, and then I'm gonna put it in my bag." Anyway, okay, so <laughs> the, fir- the first girl who's like skulking around the house, she's hiding. She's some neighbor of Bruno, and she hides in one of the 600 closets in this house. There's a lot closets of closets. Are key- a key metaphor. I will let you know. There is a whole shut up. <laughs> <laughs> there, is- there is a whole a- a hallway in this house that is just. Closets, like door after door after there door are a after few door. Closet hallways. There's also one in the fucking weird, like this is the groundskeeper room, but it also has like an eternal basement. Yes. No other comment. Which is where, <laughs> which is where this first girl is hiding. Uh, there's she gives zero. She's a neighbor of Bruno's. Uh, she knows the previous owner. Okay, other comments. So she says she's a neighbor, but then the other girl that comes is like, oh yeah, I live with her, and we're ten blocks away. That's not a neighbor. Guys, I promise you we're not making this movie more complicated than it is. This is just how it is. These are the facts as they are delivered. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The names and events have been changed to protect the individuals who inspired this original story. (laughs) So, yeah, he's just like, he hears a noise. Like, so much of what Bruno does is investigate sounds and then, like, a fucking idiot find nothing. Yeah, he plays 30 seconds of score and then he's like, several women were murdered in my house. Better not call the police. That's, okay. God damn, like, so, I don't know where to, you're, you're casting me off in all directions. I'm sorry, closets. We were talking about closets. Bruno plays a few notes on the piano. Bee boo boo ba ba boo bee. Hears a noise. Goes to investigate. There are there's a scene where he's literally standing over top of a dead body. Like the dead body is still there at his feet. It's not that dark out, and he's just like, I don't see nothing out here. I honestly thought that he discovered the body and was a cold, callous person and was just like, well, where who's responsible for this? Honestly, like ten minutes later, you were like. Why didn't he do anything with the body? And I was like, he didn't see it, John. I just, I <laughs> could not believe that he didn't see this body that he walked up to. Like, it's not like, oh, it's it's in a thick bush. It's just sitting at the base of a tree that he's like, nope, don't see it. And he had found blood on, like, the branches. So he's got blood on his fingers, and he's like, somebody injured out here? Doesn't look at the ground. But he is, But he is convinced multiple women are being killed on the premises he's an, enough weird stuff is happening and he's finding evidence of murders he's finding like knives are being misplaced <laughs> in his house and he's finding the exact location where they were stabbed into like a vanity in a bathroom he's very clearly like this is a murder scene but also 
really gotta get back to work. And he's intrigued by it. I think there's like a whole fucking monologue where he's talking to somebody about how like, no, I'm pretty I'm pretty certain death is around me. Multiple women have died. I have, I have met women who have just disappeared and then evidence of their murder has been like completely cleaned up, but it intrigues me. Yeah, <laughs> like he's, 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 he's uh, enraptured by the idea that he's in the middle of a murder plot. But he's he's concerned, but not to the point of, you know, bringing in law enforcement or even protecting the crime scene. So his girlfriend comes to stay with him a couple times throughout the movie. And after he's discovered and is quite sure because he was able to fit the knife in the hole in the counter where, you know, a girl was stabbed through the hand, which looked great. He lets her just like paint her nails in that bathroom. She's just like sitting on a stool talking to him and you're like, this is a, you think this is a crime scene. So that's, so halfway through the movie, maybe like 10 minutes into the movie. Time irrelevant. Kim and I were both pretty certain that this guy was the killer. Like maybe he didn't know it at the time. Like it's a split personality situation, but he's very clearly the murderer. The only- also, just because he spent most of the time wandering alone, discovering the murders very well after the fact. And we're like, are you actually discovering these murders or is this like mentally what you're seeing as you commit the murders? Yeah, like it's a real Tyler Durden scenario where, you know, he he thinks he's out investigating a sound. But in reality, he's like in a bathroom somewhere cleaning up his hands. It's just like these are the these are the memories that he has that are completely fake. At the end of the movie, we're going to find out that he's been dressing up as a woman. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the, the murderer is a woman because we see red nails with the knife and a kitten healed shoe. That and everybody keeps talking about this Linda character who used to rent the house. Uh, like, nobody has rented it since then. She was really mysterious. She moved out. And she had a secret, which we know about. <sighs> and that nobody has seen Linda since she left. There is a sequence in the movie which is pretty good, but there's no lead up for it, really, where he's listening to back to some of the music that he's recorded, and in the recording is somebody whispering. And so if he turns the volume down but turns the gain all the way up, he can hear somebody saying, I know Linda's secret, but we can't tell anybody about it. Oh, it's going to be a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) But... There's never a scene where we see somebody having that conversation, right? No. There are parts of the movie where he is recording music and women are being murdered in his basement and we're seeing little blips on the recording equipment. Yeah, like, like you oh, th- we're picking up the scream. <laughs> so I thought, yeah. the score is going to have real screams in it and you're like, this is pretty fucking this cool. Go, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. No. And I thought that when he would roll back the tape and re-listen to his own stuff, he would hear people screaming. No, just vague whispers. Just whisper. Who's, where are these whispers happening? Did somebody break into his house, record on the reel to reel? Well, I think it was Katya when she was hiding in his closet. And she had her diary for some reason. So she's whispering what she's writing down. Maybe. Or maybe she's talking to Linda. Wait, why is she talking to Linda about About Linda? I don't know. I know Linda's secret, but we can't let Linda's secret get out. Okay. (laughs) I don't don't believe it. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. She is, this first girl that gets murdered is hiding in his basement journaling. That's and then she is actually, she journaling. Well, she left her fucking diary after she disappeared. Oh, yeah. He finds her diary, starts reading it, and then at some point, somebody comes back and has ripped out a few pages of the diary, but left the rest of it instead of just stealing the whole diary. Well, they didn't. They ripped it out and then they threw it in the fire. Like, why not just throw the journal in the fire? Yeah. I, well, those were the important pages, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
we have not talked about the murder set pieces of this movie once. And like that is the core of these Giallo movies, I think. Uh, that and just like a crazy... Like, every murderer in every Giallo movie has the craziest motivation. <laughs> like, sometimes they're a witch. That's cool. Like that. Sometimes it's a monkey. Uh, <laughs> that happens. But... <laughs> Other times, it's just a person who's like, oh, something happened to me in my childhood, and I'm inexplicably crazy. I mean, that's, now, that's not just Jallos. That's every slasher ever. I was halfway through that sentence when I realized I was, I was drowned as a boy. I was making all my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The murder set pieces are what you're coming for, you know, like, and you've got your standards sort of, uh... And the sneaky, like, POV shots. Yeah, well, those those are part of the set piece, yeah, and, like, it's the Argento-style where we're following a killer's hands. They're usually black gloves. In this, the black gloves <laughs> So you can is... hide the fact that the killer's a monkey. <laughs> In this, the, the black glove is an exacto blade. Which, at first, was a great move, because we the, we see the killer skulking around. We're in their POV. They find <gasps> a book with nude pictures in it, and then they find an X-Acto blade. And then, as he's looking at these n- naked photos, they start to extend the X-Acto blade, uh, like, very clearly getting a boner, right? Like, I mean, it's always been kind of a loose metaphor that slashers, you know, it's like a phallic object, and this one... Is literally a phallic object. Yeah, I think most most movies where people try and draw that comparison, I just don't buy it. Like for uh, Jason Voorhees has never been turned on once, <laughs> you know. But in the, he does not experience joy in this movie. Clearly, it's that the killer is getting a boner as the Exacto Blade is coming out. They ditch that after a, after a little while, but it's it's kind of funny. Yeah, I honestly I do really love the. Exacto Blade POV. I think maybe just they weren't able to then execute the next step where they wanted you to see the hand mm. doing the murdering. And I think if you're really focusing on like the zoom in of the Exacto Blade extending, you can't go wide enough then to show the hand. Yeah. So the killer very quickly just ditches the Exacto Blade in the pool and uses a kitchen knife. But the mur- some of the murders they make no sense. <laughs> you know, like. There's a girl who goes running and hiding and then basically just stands there and lets a guy stab her. Very that, slowly. With an exacto blade. It's not, it's it's a very thin, very small blade. And it can barely, so she's like behind like a chicken mesh fence. Yeah. And the exacto blade is having a hard time reaching her. And yes. she's just standing there in horror while it eventually reaches her. <laughs> yeah, she does absolutely nothing. She's hopeless. She's helpless. She's dead. Uh, late, later in the movie, a, a similar thing happens to another woman, but she really does actually fight back at least a little bit. It's She does a pretty good job. Her hand is impaled, and she like does that split hand thing that nobody likes to watch, but everybody appreciates. Yeah, she's washing her hair in the sink after swimming in the pool, and while she's fumbling around trying to get more of her hair tonic... Uh, Shampoo John. It's called... <laughs> 
shampoo. It's an exotic bottle. Uh, the the killer comes in and, and impales her hand onto the onto the um, onto the vanity, and obviously in the struggle, she she does eventually fucking rip her hand out just by yanking on that knife. It's brutal. That whole kill scene is brutal in the best ways. It's very very well done. After she's stabbed and stuck, the killer puts a ba- a plastic bag over her head, and it's super violent. He like the killer is smashing her head into the counter. The plastic bag is filling with blood. She can't, like, really in the motion. She's trying to get to her mouth to, like, rip a hole open. Finally, she does, but it doesn't really matter because she's being smashed into the counter. Yeah, he whips her over to the tub, slits her throat open, blood goes everywhere, and then in the funniest bit of this whole movie, like, not a... not. Not intentionally a comedy, but this killer, who we can see mostly in just like fingernails and and high heels, panics a little bit and starts grabbing tissues and trying to dab up blood. Like the whole fucking bathroom has been painted red and we're just, oh, maybe just a little tissue here and there to dab it all up. I mean, eventually they do a, an okay job at it. <laughs> I, d- I don't know how, but yeah, by the next time that uh, that Bruno goes into the bathroom, everything's been cleaned up, no problem, except for like one little drop of blood that was hidden underneath the, the Kleenex box. Are we to believe that- The that whole she- bathroom cleaned up with Kleenex. With Kleenex. This is, a, this, is a, this is a commercial for Kleenex for sure. Like, Bounty, we're coming for you. <laughs> The thing about Kleenex, though, is it, like, pills if you get it too wet. So, like, you would just have, like, pink pill bits everywhere. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, Bounty really is the the choice here. It's the quicker picker-upper. Oh, God. Why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> While the murders are happening, Bruno's still trying to uh, score the movie. <laughs> While the murders are happening, which he thinks are happening, he's scoring the film. Yeah, but there are scenes in the movie that the director, Sandra, won't let him see. She doesn't want anybody to see it because she doesn't want the ending revealed. I gotta tell you, we saw it. We eventually see the ending that she shot that she doesn't want anybody to know about. Not important. Not important at all. <laughs> Not important at all. Oh, but we do eventually learn through Sandra that Linda, this mysterious character who's been on the fringes of the story the whole time, is the inspiration for the movie, for some of the characters in the movie. And the st- house that Bruno's staying at is the 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 inspiration for the setting. Which is a really big coincidence, though, because, one, I didn't think it was he was staying specifically at that house, but if that's true, then that makes a lot of sense, because... When they're exploring the basement and he's he's telling her about Linda, she's like, oh, I knew a Linda. It couldn't possibly be the same one. And then they open a room that was locked uh, that has some of Linda's like effects that she left behind. They find a, a case of just a hundred tennis balls. Yeah. And she's like, oh, God, it's the same Linda. My Linda had tennis balls. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we also hear her on the phone call or we also hear her on the phone at some point kind of apologizing to Linda, right? Like saying, like, I'm sorry that I embellished the end of the movie too much. And L- Linda freaks out. Like, we we do see... We never see see Linda. We're just... Linda's face is always obscured. Uh, like, we, we see reflections of her where her face is hidden. Kind of like Norman Bates in Psycho when he's playing mom. Exactly. And Linda gets enraged hearing about the film, which is... <laughs> So I was, I was about to just jump to the end of the movie and start talking about the killer a whole bunch. But anyway, the, the, the killer goes to the studio and finds the final reel of the movie and chops it all up into pieces with scissors. Yeah, so we know the murderer is Linda. We just, we don't know who Linda is. A lot of the time, I mean, once we know that the murderer is probably Linda, we think maybe Linda is Bruno's 
current girlfriend? I think we're supposed to because she, he Bruno finds out that she was fired from her acting gig. Uh, she says that she's just sort of like visiting in between rehearsals, but she was let go because she was erratic and just couldn't, you know, show up to work on time, basically. So we're supposed to assume that that erratic behavior is just like an indicator that she's gone crazy. And also, something people. else I noticed, she has very, very similar shoes to Linda. Okay. Very important. <laughs> in a movie like this... You're absolutely right. <laughs> Make a break with those shoes. Bruno eventually pieces the movie back together with somebody at the studio, and they're able to watch the final scene of the movie. Yeah, what is the final scene of the movie? Like, what did you take from it? Because I was like, what? The final scene of the movie is that little kid at the beginning in the cold open who uh, goes into the basement to find the tennis ball, but, you know, we hear a scream and it goes, it comes flying back up the staircase in blood is that same kid goes back up the stairs wearing a wig and a dress. Ooh. But, and then, like, is, it that, is that actually the end of the movie, or is that the end of the cold open? No, I think that's the end of the movie. I think it's supposed to show, like, he, the thing is, I think her movie that she's shooting... Is the movie we're watching? Is remarkably similar to the real-life scenario that we're watching. Okay, yes. so it's this this adult killer dressed as a woman who's killing people... And then we find out it was the boy at the beginning of the movie. Yes. Okay. She has essentially just told Linda's story before it happened. Like, she shot it, and, and art, and, and, and either life imitated art or art imitated life. You know? Like, she predicted this psychopathic behavior in this caricature of a real person who then goes on to be a psychopath and murder people. It also seems, too, that a lot of these characters know who Linda is. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of the A lot of the kids' kids, a lot of the women that get killed in this movie knew Linda and knew Linda's secret. Yeah, like, Katya knew who Linda was, because that's obviously the secret she was whispering about on the tape. And the director, Sandra, she when she's calling Linda, she was like, I didn't tell anybody your secret. So yeah. like a lot of these girl like a lot of these women knew that Linda was a man. Yeah. And she I didn't tell anybody your secret. I did get secure funding and get a lot of people together to make a movie about you. And I also <laughs> made you a murderer. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out in movie theaters, but I didn't tell anybody. Honestly, your when you think about it, that feels like worse bullying than those kids calling <laughs> yeah. um calling Linda as a boy a female. And as punishment for it, Linda strangles her with a scene from the final reel of the movie. Honestly what a fucking comeuppance. It was a good move. It yeah. was great. Yeah, she's like skulking around the house. She's scared. She's even brought a knife. That's how scared of Linda she is. And when she's, you know, and she's peeking around a corner, somebody just like, like a fucking rope just like throws it around her neck and strangles her. Uh, Linda seems like she's having a great time doing it too because she's laughing maniacally while dra- dragging her body across oh, the God. floor. Oh God, Linda's voice in those final few kills, like they really let Linda just go. The giggling, it's really weird and clown-like. And I think at this point, maybe you're supposed to be ahead of the movie a little bit. I don't know where the movie wants you to think what you think. Because we kind of, we got it very early on. As soon as I saw that hand, I was like, that's a very masculine hand. (laughs) Um, So, like, I guessed it, like, right off the bat. Also, too, the film drops a lot of, like, 
homosexual references like the girlfriend is talking about her play and how it was shut down for being too homosexual and it's like this is also kind of why the four-part miniseries was probably shut down because it was too homosexual in nature and then the next scene she's hiding in a closet a bunch of women <laughs> hide in closets in this movie <laughs> yeah it's uh it's an interesting little 1983 timepiece but um like but Psycho. I, don't know, I think it's interesting in the fact that linda is not Linda's ha- perfectly okay to like I mean they they make it like this alter ego thing that's kind of weird but clearly Linda was able to be a peaceful personality for a while because Linda was a friend of Katya's and Linda was living out and openly in Tony who owns the house's house so like Tony was living as Linda for a period yeah Oh, and you think that Linda just disappeared because people found out that it was Tony? Like, she was passing for a long time, but then maybe. when people learned it was oh, Tony? Oh, yeah, maybe. But also, too, this film brought up, one, the childhood trauma that maybe caused those feelings or those gender questions to emerge and then turned it into them being this, like, this violent thing, like, that is this other thing entirely, and that's when Linda goes violent. So it's it's really interesting. It's, like, it's not just the childhood bullying, but, like, the adult, I guess, like, calling you a murderer via your film bullying. <laughs> the end of the movie, though, like, we, we, find, we find Tony as he's killed Bruno's girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> he st- stabs her in the heart. That's a great scene, though. The, there's just a shot of... Uh, her running down the hallway towards Bruno and kind of like in The Exorcist 3, that really crazy scissor scene. Yeah. Linda, like with the knife held high, like is running behind her in like the stiffest, fastest motion. It made me like uncomfortable in my belly. Yeah, that was good. Uh, But there's a big, long explanation, psycho style, uh, like trying to explain how Norman Bates's mind worked and how Tony and Linda worked here in this movie. And was basically just like, oh, yeah, no, the he was bullied and he fractured his mind. And to prove that he was not a woman, he killed women. <laughs> like that was just some weird sort of thing that his dark mind had to do to prove that he wasn't a woman. Yeah, maybe that was like censorship safe answer though because i think especially with the exacto blade kills in the beginning the fact that you know it was alluding to you know getting um a sexual emotion out of these like beautiful naked women or beautiful young women he's then killing that response yeah you know what i mean like he's shutting it down like I, i don't know it's it's probably still just like an internal struggle because tony lives as tony is at some point and also lives at at linda at other points before the murdering. I, I don't honestly know if the movie was really like looking very deep into to much of it. I don't know. Like you, some of the comments. It's some true. Of the it could have just been like the sleepaway camp ending. Like, oh, just, so like, weird. If you, oh, <laughs> so, so weird. If you turn a boy a girl when they don't want to be a girl, it's going to be bad. <laughs> And ultimately, I think that's mostly what it is. They're just like, oh, so crazy. You put him in a dress and he's a murderer now. Or just like you <laughs> you use somebody's trauma as a story. They're going to be traumatized by it enough to murder you with your film. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird little movie that we watched. Uh, <laughs> can't say it's the best giallo I've ever seen in my life. But I really like that bathroom kill. I don't know. No, there are, there are some good moments in the movie. You know, t- to harken back to our interview with Tom Vaughn a few weeks ago. Uh, I don't know if this movie 100% holds up to five good scenes, no bad ones. <laughs> I think there are a couple good scenes and a few other not great ones. Also, the plot, you know, they don't 
hold their cards as tightly as maybe they think they do. Nah, and oddly enough, uh, the, some of the best shot sequences are a knife, se- <laughs> uh, either just a single knife. <laughs> traveling across a lawn but also just characters going down staircases and dark hallways not unlike scenes in demons where characters are running up a ramp it's just like the lighting is coming at them at a fun angle the shadows are being cast in a cool way so it's got great images you know if we were writing an article on the website for it like poof we'd have a great featured image you know but a uh, you know ultimately it's, it's I did write an article about it and it does have a great image I, yeah yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> where the idea for the podcast came from but uh yeah not a not a perfect movie <laughs> honestly i had a lot of fun with it i think maybe i liked it more than you i would i would watch this I would say semi-regularly. It has a made-for-TV quality about it. And the plot has kind of a made-for-TV quality about it. And so, like, I'm just about that. Kim's looking for stuff to watch while she's multitasking doing other things. (laughs) Those are my favorite things. Uh, I'll give it a two out of four. I'm going to give it a two and a half. Do you think it deserves to be, like, on a, you know, this 80s slasher is often underrated and not really recommended often? Uh, I agree that it's not recommended often. I don't know if it's like, ooh, you, we gotta polish this hidden gem. Like, I, uh. yeah, like I mean, if you if you're like getting into slashers and your your only point of reference is Friday Thirteenth, then I would say The Burning, and then maybe a few other things before going to this. <laughs> yeah, I would not. I would not uh, immediately put this on a list of like, ooh, this is one of the greatest slasher movies that people don't talk about. But okay, well, thanks, John. That's an article that I wrote that features this movie. <laughs> Well, that's it from us this week. <laughs> Let us know what you thought of. Is it a stab in the dark or a knife in the dark? What is a it? A blade in the dark. Oh, God. <laughs> Let us know what you thought of a blade in the dark. You can tweet at us at NOFS Podcast or find us on threads at Nightmare on Film Street. That's also our Instagram handle. Or you can head to our Discord where we all chat and hang out and talk about movies. That is NOFSpodcast.com slash Discord. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you'd like more Nightmare on Film Street, head over to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub to enjoy hours of bonus content. You can also find that link in the description for the episode you're listening to right now. We're in the middle of a Universal Classic Monsters rewatch, but we've also got franchise binges for Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and we review horror movies that are currently in the theater. We'll be back again next Thursday talking about another Italian horror movie. But until then, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.